Welcome to the 124th episode of the Young Sharps Podcast from the Viner Forgate Studio. This is your host, Mason Viner. And your co-host, Jordan Viner. And on today's episode, we're talking about the Terps' unfortunate defeat in Philadelphia against the Temple Owls, and of course, all of your Terrapin news on the Terrapin Rundown. But before we get into that, this podcast is brought to you by Allied Party Rentals, your hometown Terrapin party rental resource. Allied has what you need, whether you're hosting a large wedding, putting together a small luncheon, or setting up a street festival. Allied has the tents, chairs, linens, china, and other accessories that you are looking for. Wayne from Terp Talk has known Donnie and Allied since 1995. Located right next to College Park in Beltsville, Maryland, and in serving the entire DMV today, contact Allied at 301-986-0067 or visit them on the web at alliedpartyrentals.com. Jordan, before the rundown, tell all the Young Terps fans where they can follow us on Twitter. You can follow us on Twitter at YoungTerp1. That is YoungTerp with the numeral 1 on Twitter. And now for the Terrapin Rundown. On the non-river report today, men's soccer defeated Akron 1-0 in a rematch of the 2018 NCAA College Cup. The number 24 Terps will face off against Villanova tonight at Ludwig. Hey, great to see that men's soccer squad getting back to business, taking down Akron in that, of course, rematch. Uh, Villanova should be a good opponent, but they should end in the win column again tonight. Field hockey had a great week going 3-0 since we last aired. The Terps took down Towson 5-0 on the road Wednesday before beating number 6 Virginia in a shootout at the Terrapin Classic and also defeating James Madison 4-0. Over the weekend, the Terps will face number 17 Penn State at home on Friday. Pushing right along here, women's soccer continues to trend in the right direction after a rough start to the season. This week, the Lady Terps tied Temple 1-1 and beat Princeton 3-0 both at home. The team is now 4-2-2 as it enters Big Ten play this Friday, hosting the Badgers. And on to Volleyball, who went 2-1 and one at the Maryland Invite over the weekend, beating Arkansas on Friday, losing to George Mason Saturday, and beating Princeton on Sunday. Next weekend, Maryland heads to South Carolina for the Gamecock Invitational. On some non-rev news, it was announced last week that Maryland's ACC Big Ten matchup against the Notre Dame Fighting Irish will tip off at either 7.15 or 7.30 on December 4th and will be broadcast on ESPN or ESPN2. Uh, none of that is remotely surprising. Nope, not at all. The Terps are, of course, featured in primetime all throughout the season this year. Great to see another game that won't be played at 6.30. I think every time we get a game time release or TV spot, I'm going to say, great to not see it at 6.30. Yeah, and the, it's one of those things you didn't realize it was important until it actually happened. Um, former Terp outfielder Lamonte Wade hit his first career MLB home run Sunday at Target Field. Uh, he had a rough pass against the majors, spent four years in the minor league circuit, but hopefully he can hold a spot down as the Twins push for the playoffs. Yeah, hopefully so. And finally, Torrey Smith announced his retirement from the NFL after stints with the Ravens, 49ers, Eagles, and Panthers, finishing his career with 319 receptions, 5,141 yards, 41 TDs over eight seasons, and a couple of rings. Yeah, the couple of rings is something you kind of easy to forget about. Um, he finishes his career with the most receiving yards in the NFL by a Maryland receiver ever. Although Stefan Diggs is already hot in his heels and will probably pass him in the next couple of years. Um, he is third all-time on the receiving yard list for Pro Terps behind tight ends Frank Wycheck and Byron Davis, who sits far above everybody else with over 7,000 yards. Yep, and we will do our Pro Terps uh, roundup out of the NFL this weekend. Uh 
a lot of our stats, like the PFF grades and snap counts, aren't quite posted yet till after Monday Night Football, which is tonight. I guess now we can talk about a thing that I really don't want to talk about, which was the Terps' failure in Philadelphia. And I'll kick it off with my personal failure from Saturday. I was supposed to get a flight out of Jacksonville up to Philadelphia at, uh, I believe the flight was supposed to leave at 7.15 and land at 9.20, and my day started off with missing that flight, not being able to make it to Philadelphia. Jordan didn't get to go to the NDSU game, he went to the Maryland game instead, and then of course there was the game. Yeah, I'm not sure if you actually wanted to make it up for that game, Mason, after you saw what went down. Yeah, I mean, it was, it looked like a rough time. Terps obviously go down 20-17 to 17 against Temple. Really just... In my opinion, this might have been the most disheartening Maryland game that I've seen, at least since that Florida State game, if not ever, because I actually had more belief in this team than I did with that Randy Etzel team that was ranked. Yeah, it was... I feel like a lot of Maryland fans, including maybe myself, got a little bit high on our own feelings here. We really thought we had a good team, whether we wanted to admit it or not. Well, it's not and, over yet. Hold on. Well, no, hold on, though. In the back of my mind, I was saying that we're going to lose this game because I kept telling Wayne on the way home, we never win this game. And I knew that, and I said it on the air, and it was rattling around my head all, all the way home. Because I let myself believe that we were going to win this game and have the perfect set for Penn State on Friday. And really, that's what I feel like the biggest tragedy here is, is we lost the momentum we had going into that game. Yeah, I would have to... a fan base more than a team. I would have to agree with that. Just not what you want to see out of the squad, especially Josh Jackson. If you kick it off with him, 15 for 38, 183 yards, a touchdown, an interception. Not, not great out of Josh. No, in fact, I'd say that was one of Josh's... That was, well, far and away, his worst game as a Terp. He was... He looked horrible. There's no other way I can say it. He really did not look like a Big Ten quarterback. And I don't know how that happens after he played so well against Syracuse and Howard. He, he was... On our field especially, I don't know who how many of you saw this at home, but I could very easily see it at the stadium. On RPOs, he would... if he took the ball himself, he was locking on the receivers. He was looking at one receiver the entire time. He wasn't making but that's a free the, Hold on. That's the problem with the RPO offense. That's why every team in America is not running RPO. Uh, reference Madden. They put RPOs into the uh, Madden NFL games this year. It's either a handoff or a one-man route. There really isn't much decision-making involved. The decisions are pre-snap made. They're based on reads, and they're one-man routes. And really, if you want to look at the RPO success rate in this game, I think there was a lot of failure with execution. I think a lot of the slant routes were there, and Josh was missing them. If you look at the biggest RPO, in my opinion, of the game, uh, which would be that flip play to Dante Demas uh, around the one-yard line early on, he missed the throw. I think that you could point to so many things on this offense that went wrong from the blocking. I mean, Terrence Davis wasn't blocking anybody. The tackles are, of course, I mean, not really Marcus Minor, but both tackles are getting beat off the edges. Josh Jackson wasn't moving well in the pocket. There's a lot to blame on that. If you go back and look at this game from Maryland's offensive you know, perspective, 
you have to be giving them near an F, if not an F. Because they didn't, oh, absolutely. They didn't block right. Josh Jackson was staring down receivers and not stepping up in the pocket correctly. His footwork went away. It just looked like... It looked like Alabama did a national championship game. There was just... There was... Everything was going wrong. Yeah, I totally forgot until you mentioned it. Josh Jackson needed to climb the pocket at least a couple times that game. He was not climbing the pocket. He was staying back, and he was getting collapsed on because of that. But before we dig, or without digging too far into that, the offensive line completely failed in, on several plays, I think, in terms of pass blocking. Yeah, I definitely think so. They were beat strongly off the edge in both pass and run blocking. They were pushed up the middle. I mean, going into the season, you could have kind of pointed this, this game out. This was going to happen. You have the transfer quarterback, the O-line that's gone through a lot of starter change, another coaching change, a completely different offensive look. You could have seen this game coming, but after the first two weeks, it kind of escaped everyone's mind that this is still a new coaching staff, it's still a new system. We're running an RPO kind of playbook that these guys have not seen. We're now moving into that mode where this team exploded, but now there was film on them. The coaching staff did not do, in my opinion, a great job on offense. But at the end of the day, at least the defense kept them in the game. Uh, the defense did a good job. Um, let's move to the rest of the um, offense first. Ant Mac, uh, he was almost by default had the best performance in the game on offense. Six, 26 carries, 132 yards, a touchdown. He ripped on a 33-yard rush at one point. Javon Leak got in there, 8 carries, 57 yards, 30-yard long. I, it looked like Tayon Fleet Davis got hurt in the first half of the game. I'm not sure if he actually did or not. Didn't see Jake Funk in the backfield. Yes, you did. When? Funk and Davis were both in on a lot of blocking sets. Uh, Tayon Fleet Davis, he missed a big block late on in the game. Uh, and I'll, I'll talk about Jake Funk here for a second. If I'm in the situation that they were when I needed a yard, I'm giving the ball to two, three guys, and none of them got a touchdown there. Tayon Fleet Davis, Jake Funk, who's been proven to score for this team in big moments in the red zone, or DeServo, the fullback. But they didn't uh, do that. I, I don't have a problem with that. I don't that. have a problem. Actually, a good power right off the middle. He's good I don't think so, the though. Based on the goal line. Where is the proof that Anthony McFarlane is a good runner when you need a yard? Because what I, I remember out of Anthony McFarland, especially last year, was he was breaking big runs. When they got down near the goal line, it was Fleet Davis, Javon Leak, Ty Johnson, Jake Funk. I don't remember much of Anthony McFarland being a big between-the-tackles runner. He's not a huge between-the-tackles runner, but I think he's good at sitting in small spaces. I don't have an issue with them keeping... The, they cut the, the best player on the team in the game when... The, you need to get a yard. And I that's what I was telling Wayne. It sucks he couldn't get it. I don't have an issue with the decision to keep him in. That's what I was telling Wayne, and that's what I'll tell people that really question what their play calls were. I do question the play calls of running halfback dive four times, but they did not need to throw the ball there. You had a quarterback that was not having a great day. He was missing guys left and right that were wide open. Let's just throw that out. They gave the ball to their best player four times in a row. Or what they see to be their best player. Even though the best player in that situation might not 
B. McFarlane, it might be Leak, it might be Funk, it might be Fleet Davis. They did, in my opinion, what a lot of Maryland fans have always called for the team to do in situations like that. Which is, Jordan, you've been going to the game, and the guys that we go to the game with hate it when they line up in the shotgun on fourth and one. Line up under center. That's what everyone says. Line up under center and punch the team that's in front of you in the mouth and get that yard. Maryland constantly tried to do that in this game with their best player. It wasn't like they threw out some walk-on running back or they were in the eyes of most people that really just watch this team from afar, put, you know, like a Jake Funk or Fleet Davis. They gave the ball to Anthony McFarland. The guy that's supposed to be competing for one of the best backs in college football. They gave him the ball four times. It seems like, at least to me, going into the bigger picture of what you said earlier, that Maryland just doesn't win these games, it was like I was watching what I wanted to see. The play calls were there in a lot of these situations, and it still didn't work, and that's really what I hated about this performance. That's really what got to me. Yeah, that's what got to me as well. That It, it felt like you're watching something that predestined to happen almost. Uh, receiving and... Uh, Dante Demas got three catches for 42 yards. Chigo Conco got in there a fair amount, 37 yards on four balls. Uh, Carlos Carrier got in there 35 for three. A bunch of other guys got one yard. Uh, Daryl Jones got two catches for 11 yards. I don't know what happened to him, but he was not in the game in the fourth quarter. Yeah, uh, it looks like, or I heard reports that he was injured on that play where he really laid out. It looked like he... I think if he didn't get hurt, I think he comes down with that ball, that deep ball, uh, early on in the game. I think that one, I think he got nicked up on that play. Um, not a lot of the receiving game, obviously, That a lot of that stems from the passing game. Let's talk about the defense for a second, then look at the bigger picture. Uh, the defense had, in my opinion, a good game. They were able to stop the run, force Temple to punt late game. They only came up with one sack, and that came from Brett Kolka, his second career sack from the senior. They forced a couple of fumbles that were picked up by Marcus Lewis and Antoine Brooks. The Marcus Lewis recovery, though, was a feat to watch. They were burned deep twice, and that's all it took from Temple to beat the Terps. Maryland really should have dominated this game if they had anything out of their offense. Yeah, and now we can talk about some bigger picture things in this game. Of course, the passing game completely failed. The offense as a whole failed. Defense played well. This team, I don't even know how much more you want to talk about other than this team was gifted, straight up gifted, two opportunities to score within the 10-yard line in the last five minutes of a game. But they need a touchdown to score. How do you not score on two opportunities within the 10-yard line when you need to score? You desperately need to score. It was it was like watching a horror movie for Maryland fans. It was PTSD personified. It was every failure we've had in the last like decade thrown into our face there. That's real. I know I'm so dramatic, but that's how it felt. It felt like we were predestined to get teased to the point of wanting to cry. Yeah, I completely agree with that. But we have to look at it from a different perspective. In my opinion, football is a game of lining up in the situations that Maryland had in this game and punching the other team in the mouth. We can talk about the RPO and the shotgun and all this passing and all that stuff. At the end of the day, after all that passing stuff and, and all that's done, 
when it comes down to what Maryland had, it's about you looking the guy. It's still, it's still football. It's about you looking the guy in the eyes in front of you and punching them in the mouth. And what did Maryland get? They got punched in the mouth. They didn't deliver the blow. They took it. And sure, you can say, oh, the play calling was off. Yeah, sure it was. But at the end of the day, the way that Maryland football has recruited over these past few years, how can you say that Maryland should not be able to line up and punch Temple? We're talking about a Temple team that I think would have been the worst team in like the NCAA 2005 football video game. And sure, a lot's changed since then. It's been 14 years now. But you're talking about a team that Maryland should be able to do that to. We're talking about a team in the in a conference that calls itself the Power Six, and nobody thinks they're a power conference. As a football program, the way that we've recruited over the past few years, it is a damn shame that we cannot line up and punch them in the mouth. I don't care that Austin Fontaine was playing defensive line like three months ago. We gotta do what we gotta do in those situations. And honestly, if you really look at it, you can say the Maryland's cursed, you can say whatever they want. The fact is, everyone was saying the curse of Ralph, as they like to call it, was gone last week. So at this point, we're talking about our team just not having that. We don't have it, and Temple brought it on defense. They didn't have anything going for them on offense, but they brought it on defense, and Maryland just failed to do so. How are you going to get the ball on the the four-yard line and not get it done? Do or die. You know, you're... Everyone, all these players are tweeting about how big a deal this Penn State's gonna game's gonna be, and all the student ticket requests stuff. How do you not want that? You want to show out. You want your school to be proud of you. You want what you want. All these fans to show up and all that stuff. And then you look each other in the eye and say, "We got to do it right now." You want to set that game up. You want to be have this huge party atmosphere. Really play big time college football. The reason why you came here is to win this game and then go on to play the next one. It's not. To not be able to get that yard. I mean, how close I, did Anthony McFarland get to the goal line before that last play? Didn't he make it to the one yard line? Um, he. Which which last play? How about we start there? The DJ Turner return, not the ten yard punt. Um, I think wasn't so. it a McFarland no gain, like a McFarland three yard run, McFarland no gain, McFarland loss of like two. I don't know, Mason. I don't know. They all kind of blended together at the end. We but, didn't even talk about the first drive where we got stopped at the one yet either. I, that's almost like, okay, we tried that. The other thing that I want to point out is, we were talking about Mike Loxley's uh, decision-making against Syracuse with these risks, you know, fourth and one from the one, fourth and one from, like, the 30, you know, all this different stuff. This is the negative part of it. I mean, against Syracuse, it was working great. You declined a few penalties that... Or you accepted a few penalties or played third downs. and I, I just, mind is blown. After this game, I just kind of got up. I closed my laptop and I walked away. Now when I'm talking about it, it's just infuriating. I, I had the infuriating. I had to drive home with Wayne from Philadelphia for two and a half hours talking about nothing but this game, basically. I think I might have already had my moment of fury with this. And it, that's the... Part that I think everybody understands is it pisses everybody off. I can't stand that. Let me tell you something. I can't stand that stadium. What? The link? I've watched too many games like this in that stadium. I've seen Maryland lacrosse lose championship games in there. 
I've seen them lose. This reminded me, almost speaking of that setting, of that game against North Carolina, the lacrosse championship game they lost in overtime. Because in that game, if you remember, they were man up in overtime with the ball. Their goalie, Kyle Burnlore, made an amazing play. And then at the end, it was a feed to the inside and a dunk over him. There's your ball on the four-yard line, getting the ball in overtime. Or having the ball at the last second like they did in that game. Having the last shot. And then, once you go back the other way and you get a penalty on your, on your defenseman, your goalie makes a great play. There's that bad punt. And then at the end, the result's the same. You lose. Maryland is cursed in that stadium. Somebody needs to bring out like some sage in the in the locker room that these Maryland teams keep using. <laughs> All right, well that's Mason's I guess off topic rant for now, but it's really not off topic because I, I that's what I always I keep going back to. I feel like we were predestined to lose this game. I really do. I can't. I no, don't want to hear about that, though. Think about I it. I want to hear about how our team... I don't care. It's football. There's, there's, There might be destiny. There might be days where it's your day and days where it's not. But that does not matter to a team that wants to be good. You know, we're having an off day. All right, how many opportunities do you get in an off day? An off day, to me, is you walk out there and the other team does what like Maryland did to Syracuse. There's your off day. This is just failure to execute at the simplest levels of football. We're not blocking the right guys. We're not stepping up in the pocket. We can't get a damn yard when we need it. I'm not disagreeing with you, but there's also things that make that weren't necessarily our fault. Like, there was um, Joseph Petrino, our kicker, I assume most of you know, got hurt in the first quarter. That's why you ran that horrible, horrible fake field that we also haven't talked about yet. Because we... Didn't feel comfortable kicking field goals with our backup, whose name I forgot, because Inzo, that one Inzo. extra point got blocked. And that also cost us big time down the stretch, because I'm not saying he would have done this. I'm really not. Because I don't think he would have. I don't think so. I think that's that's near... I understand what you're going to say. Go ahead and finish your point. But Locks, I don't think he's doing it. Well, yeah, but you could have. And yes, Mason, you're probably right. I don't think he would have kicked it either. But you could have, if you were playing conservatively... Kicked a field goal on that first drive and got the ball that kicked into the field goal one game. You also well, could have picked it, kicked extra point there, which would have given you some another point, which would have mattered. Exactly. But, hey, go ahead. You're ma- you're also missing one. If Petrino got hurt while he was kicking that field goal, let's just say that kick goes in. If what he doesn't get hurt about? while kicking the field goal, because the play that Joseph Petrino got hurt on is when he kicked the field the first field goal. And he missed it to the left. Right, right. So let's just, for the, the sake of this argument, say that that one goes in. They kick the one near the end of the game. They make that extra point. I mean, you're just looking at points left on the table. But regardless of that, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't. The kicking thing doesn't matter. You were handed opportunities so close to the goal line where we just needed to run. This team's supposed to be able to run the ball. And that's all we needed to do. Execute on that principle. Execute on our principle, what our team is based on. And we just did not come through. And I think if you want to boil it down to the basis level, 
we didn't come through. We had our big opportunity here to really set ourselves up for success, be ranked, go into the next the Penn State week, and have all the momentum in the world. Even if you won this game, you're still ranked. You're still the talk of the town. We were the talk of college football. We really were one of the hottest, the most talked about teams in college football the last two weeks. And it's all gone. We don't have a single vote in AP poll now. No, we did. No, we did it. I don't under... I don't understand how they're counting the votes because on the Reddit ballots, Maryland was voted in the poll by multiple voters. I don't know. I, I don't know what to tell you about that. I just know the fact is AP poll does not list us as having votes. And it sucks. Yeah, and I think we're going to leave the big like season-wide picture and Penn State picture out of this episode just because we are on the bye week. We are going to have another episode this week. Maybe we'll bring in Todd to talk some non-revs and then... We're on to, of course, what's still a huge game. I mean, regardless of if, if it's as big as what it was before, this Maryland-Penn State game is still going to be a huge deal. It's probably still going to be sold out. There's still... Everybody wants to go to this game because everybody was playing for having this game be just such a big deal. And now they're going to want to see that. They're, everyone's still going to show up. A lot of people still paid a lot of money for tickets to this game and still... You know, upwards of $100 a ticket to get in if you want a decent seat. It's still a big deal. Maybe there are going to be more Penn State fans than uh, Maryland fans. As I mean, not overall, but, you know, from your outlook from last week to this week. But we have a week to forget about it, and then we're on to another huge game week. Jordan, anything else on this Maryland Temple game? Obviously one of the rougher ones that we've seen as Turk football fans. We had to stop playing Penn State, you know. Um, we played them um, ten times historically now. And we have lost. We started out 7-0. We have now lost three out of the last four games. You mean they got to stop playing Temple? Yeah, we had to stop playing Temple. We really Not Penn do. State, they Temple. They have our number. That, that's gotten to that point for me. That's all I have to say. And, yeah, for the rest, I'll say it for next time. But that's what I got for the moment. Yeah, and that's going to wrap it up. We'll talk more about the bigger picture of the way the season's looking now. On the next podcast, as always, we'd like to thank our sponsors, Viner Four Gates in Rockville. For all of your business IT needs, call Viner Four Gates at 301-251-2900 or on the web at the number one, Viner.com. And Allied Party Rentals. For all of your party rental needs, big or small, contact Allied today at 301-986-0067 or on the web at AlliedPartyRentals.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at YoungTurp1. That's at YoungTurp1. And that's all we got for this disappointing episode. Terps fall to Temple. Still 2-1 on the season. Still optimistic that the Terps can reach a little... I'm still optimistic about the season, but we'll talk about that more in our next podcast. And as always, thanks for listening.